Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that move. I don't care who it is. Just do Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right of the week. We're talking wide receivers today as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 325. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with the head coach at the University of Minnesota, and that's Coach P.J. Fleck. Now, if you're not familiar with Coach Fleck's background and history, he played in the NFL as a wide receiver. He's coached wide receivers in both college and in the league, and since he's become a head coach, he's developed a couple of big-time prospects at the wide receiver position. He had Corey Davis drafted in the top five of the 2017 draft a few years ago out of Western Michigan, and now Rashad Bateman from Minnesota is well on his way to being at least a top 45 selection, if not higher, uh, for the Gophers here this April. So what's the secret? What does Coach Fleck look for at wide receiver, and what are the lessons we can learn from how he develops the position. We are going to go into all of that right here in this episode. But first, a couple of quick things to hit on. First up, want to always remind you guys to head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a comment, keep the questions coming. You guys have done a great job so far all offseason. We're four months in right now, and we really haven't had an episode where we haven't had a question, and today is no different. We've got a great question from you that we will hit on at the end of the show, but always just jump on Leave us a re- leave us a review, leave us a rating, and not only does it help us, you know, in terms of filling out the show, giving us ideas, but it also helps the show become more recognizable, more available for other fans looking for Eagles podcasts or X's and O's football analysis podcasts. So anytime you can jump on, leave us that quick rating, take the, leave us that review. It takes you know a minute tops, it takes thirty seconds uh, to jump on and do that for us. Really, really appreciate everybody that has done that throughout the course of the off season. Also, want to remind you what's coming up here uh, with Journey to the Draft. Uh, We're getting closer and closer to draft weekend. It's April now, uh, and this week we're going to break down the top pass rushers. Who are the big sack artists in this draft? Dane Brugler, Ben Fennell, and I, we're going through the top names. Tomorrow, the episode that drops on Tuesday, Greg Cosell will be back this this week. We're actually talking receivers later this week with Greg. I am psyched uh, about where we're at right now with the Journey to the Draft podcast. So all you have to do is go search for Journey to the Draft wherever podcasts can be found. Now, last thing, before we get into Chalk Talk, I want to give you guys a little bit of a tease of a piece of content that I am super excited about. I was happy to welcome in Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni to the film room to break down some film of his offenses in Indianapolis, and we talked a ton in this segment. It's over 25 minutes long. That's longer than an episode of Eagles game plan during the season, and you can go check it all out in full over on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles YouTube page, the Eagles mobile app, the Eagles Facebook page will have it as well. Now, it's going to get posted on Tuesday. So this podcast is dropping on Monday. So depending on when you listen, it may or may not be available. But that being said, I've got a little bit of a teaser for you. And of course, when the full segment comes out, I will be dropping it over on my Twitter page at EaglesXOs. But right now, I've got a little a little bit of a sneak here, a couple chunks uh, that were audio-friendly, podcast-friendly, where you didn't necessarily need the visuals. Sit back and enjoy. Here's head coach Nick Sirianni. Pleased to be joined here by head coach Nick Sirianni to break down some film. Coach, thanks for joining us here inside the film room. Thanks for having me, Fran. All right, well, let's get into this because I want to break down some film over the last three years of this Colts offense and all the different things that you guys have done to kind of make things simple for the quarterback, create big plays in the passing game, uh, some of the different ways that the quarterback can attack the defense. 
our offense is based on being able to create explosive plays. We know that when you can win the explosive play battle and you can win the turnover battle, that leads to a lot of success. And that's both offensively and defensively, right? Create explosive plays on offense, take them away on defense. Protect the ball on offense, take it away on defense. So what you're going to see right here is what we're trying to do is create an explosive play. Again, it's a concept that's that's that a lot of teams in the NFL use. All right, we like to use it with all types of quarterbacks that we have, right? Unfortunately, fortunately, however you want to look at it, we had three different quarterbacks in Indianapolis while I was there. Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers, all great players in their own right, all like to do things a little bit differently though, right? And our job as coaches is to adapt to the players that we have and run the plays that they like. But we also have a system, right? We have a system. So yes, we want to do what our players like to do and want to do, And then also we have a system of plays that we're going to be good at that they like. So every one of these quarterbacks looks a little different, but there's some similarities in there as well. And then, Coach, real quickly before we move to the next one, talk about the route from T.Y. as well because he looks like he holds that vertically before breaking across the field, right? How does that affect that safety Abrams deep? Everything we talk about, Fran, is to run a sharp, crisp route. Like, I don't like banana routes, right? I don't like the, uh, we're going to roll into it. It's stick your foot in the ground and rip it, right? Because if we can get ourselves going vertically, like T.Y. is doing right here, stick our right foot in the ground hard. We always say it's your foot, it's your body, it's your head sticking hard to the right here to move Abram to the right, right? Abram's a great football player. So we got to move him a little bit, create some deception to him that we're breaking to the corner there to get his body off target so now we can have a foot race there because we knew that T.Y. was a fast football player. The entire NFL knows that about him. What is it like as a coaching staff going into the week? You know, you build off these core concepts, these core philosophies, but always trying to build in different kinds of answers for the quarterback. So when Jacoby steps up, the play breaks down, having that different answer with the tight end streaking across the field, how fun is that process from a collaboration standpoint? You know, coming up with plays and how we attack the defense. I mean, it's addicting, right? It's addicting. What? It's just a. It's like a rush. You're in a film room with offensive coaches, and you're talking through the plan, and you're talking through how you're going to attack a defense, and you're like, "Ooh, this will be good. Is this going to be good against this look? Is this going to be good against this look?" And you draw it up, and you think about it, and you get excited. It's just an exciting process. And it never gets old. And then when it works in a game or when you're in a game and you're like, oh, man, here they here it comes. They're going to play cover two to that. Here we go. That's what we thought. Here it is. You know, we try to keep the, the talking to a minimum on the headset because the, the coordinator and myself, we need to be able to talk and talk through everything. But it's, sometimes it's hard to hide that excitement. Like, oh, my goodness, we got cover two. We're going to rip this in. <laughs> or, oh, my goodness, we got cover one. We're going to rip this Dover. Feel, oh, my gosh, it's cover four. We're going to get T.Y. on the safety over there. Boom, we hit a touchdown. And that's pretty awesome. You know, I, I kind of compare it to, like, a lot of our coaches. We, we played football in the past. And... We can't score touchdowns anymore, right? We can't, we can't throw touchdowns anymore. We can't tackle the defender, the ball carrier anymore or get an interception. But this is our way to do that. It's, it's just as exciting. In fact, I think it's even more exciting because we're serving our players and helping our players accomplish the things that we once accomplished in our life, lifetime. Just me, I was at Mount Union. I was at a much lower level than what we are right now. So, Coach, you just said something there at the end that really kind of brings me into the next part of this breakdown where uh, you talk about creating opportunities for your players, serving your players, watching all of your teams, you know, going back the last three years uh, with the Colts, going back uh, to your time in San Diego with the Chargers. 
Every single one of these offenses create yards after catch for these guys. Get these guys in the, on the move, open field. So I just want, first of all, where does that philosophy come from for you? Because not every coach kind of operates that way. And then the second part, what are some of the different things that you do to create those chances for your players? Again, it, it is still all about creating explosive plays. Explosive plays don't have to be created by throwing the ball 50 yards downfield. They can be created by getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands right now. And that's where we've had a lot of success. One thing we pride ourselves on is to be able to get the ball out of our hands at the quarterback position to a playmaker with the ball in their hands. And then, Coach, the, the use of motion as well. Looks like you have uh, Naheem Hines in the backfield, a little jet action beforehand. Talk about just the impact that has on the defense sure. as well. Sure, you know, that's a unique thing to the defense's eye, right? So, you know, we're running a play-action pass, so we've probably ran a runoff of this play as well. Yep. And so that's a pretty unique thing to the defense's eye where they can see, oh, here comes the Casper motion. Watch out for this run right here. And then we run a play-action pass off of it, right? So we got to do our jobs to make the defense, right, just like T.Y. stuck his right foot in the ground and created deception to Jonathan Abram, we got to create deception to the defense with making things look similar. All right, so like I said, that was about five minutes of what came out to be over 25 minutes of film breakdown. And I got to tell you, the energy that Coach brought was awesome. The insight he brought was awesome. He broke down these plays. We did nine plays total. You want to make sure you go and check this out. There was a ton more analysis where that came from. And again, you can catch that entire segment over on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, the Eagles YouTube page. It will go up on Tuesday. That's April 6th. Just go check my Twitter page as well. Uh, the link will absolutely be live there as soon as that segment is posted. I think all of you that listen to this show will enjoy that entire piece. Again, Coach dropped so much knowledge. It was great to hear him talk some ball, and, and I'm really excited to do more breakdowns with him like that in the future. That being said, what do you think? Want to get this episode going? I, I'm excited to talk uh, with another head coach here as we welcome in P.J. Fleck. It's time now to kick things off with Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Well, excited to welcome in here to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, Minnesota head coach P.J. Fleck. Coach, thanks for joining us here on the show. Yeah, appreciate you having us on the show. So, Coach, uh, you've had a, you know, a ton of experience with uh, developing wide receivers, recruiting them at the college level, developing them, sending them to the NFL. You've coached the position. You've played the position. So I want to really kind of dive into this spot with you here on this show. And uh, the number one thing I want to ask you, what are the traits that are most important to you, the, the core traits when evaluating receivers? Obviously, guys are going to have a wide variety of body types and skill sets, but are there some core values for you when you're evaluating the position that really stand out most to you at the top? Well, I, th- I think that's that's a loaded question because there's so many aspects uh, of wide receiver play, right? I mean, whether you're talking about the actual uh, technique and fundamentals where we kind of saw a wide receiver in half and start with the upper body and then work our way down to the lower body and look at it as two segments. Uh, but I think one of the big things is you look for the competitiveness. You know, when, when, when you're watching film of wide receivers, these are playmakers. Right? These are going to be the people who have to be able to, to cre- catch balls in space, be able to work in space, create separation, uh, be able to make plays in traffic uh, and, and, and be able to handle the pressure of what it's like in really, really critical situations. Mm-hmm. So there's a major difference between competitiveness and hard work. And I think that that's what we evaluate the most is finding young men. And again, at our level, uh, I'm not necessarily concerned about having everybody 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, I want the most competitive people out there who are competitive in everything that they do because you can have all the speed and size in the world 
But if you're not competitive, you're not going to want to learn. You're not going to want to grow. You're not going to be able to make those plays when you're playing against the best. And, and everybody works hard. But that competitive drive separates you, especially when you're talking about such a high-profile, high-attention, high-pressure position, uh, which comes with that you have to have somebody that thinks, acts, walks a little bit differently um, because of the role they're going to be put in. So uh, a loaded question a little bit, and we can maybe dissect it with some other sure. questions too, uh, more specifically. But that, that's what we look for uh, when we're evaluating wide receivers to bring them in to start developing them fundamentally. I guess kind of like splitting it up into silos of like natural talents versus like the skill set standpoint and the development, uh, looking just purely at athletic traits, the physical traits, uh, whether it's short area quickness, quick twitch, long speed, whatever it is. Is there an athletic trait that you feel is most important for these guys that, you know, people need to make sure they take into account? All of it. I think you just mentioned all of it. I, I'm not sure if there's one person that, uh, when people say that there's that one trait, uh, I'm not sure if they're actually telling the truth because there, there's so many, right? You can catch the ball all you want, but if you can't create separation, you can't get off the line of scrimmage, you can't run a route, right? You don't have short area burst, change of direction. Uh, but I do think in the National Football League, the, 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 the short area burst and the ability to create separation is everything. Uh, you know, and then, but you're, but if you evaluate that and say that's the most important, but if you can create separation, but you can't catch, it doesn't matter. But I do think when you're talking about, you hit it right on the head, there's a skill set that you're born with. You know, there's a speed, there's a size that you basically had nothing to do with. A five, nine player can't make themselves six, one, a six, four player can't make themselves six, nine. So there's this skill set that you have but the talent is what we do everything we can to measure. Is this player going to be able to maximize their potential, maximize their skill set with the talented traits, the heart, the spirit, the unconquerable will, the crack on the shoulder, the ability to overcome adversity, uh, all, of, all of those things. Can that be worked with and can that be developed fundamentally, right? With your releases, with the separation, with the break points, um, you know, with your blocking, with you being an elite teammate, being able to make plays in high pressure situations, the ability to catch in small, sp in, in high traffic situations, take a hit. You know, the whole saying of, you know, this guy's really good over the middle. We want wide receivers that are good everywhere, right? It's not just over the middle. And that mental toughness, is critical, which fits in that competitiveness mode. So uh, I hope I answered your question, but it, it's, it's pretty loaded when you're talking about, especially a position that is so near and dear to my heart. Sure. And one area that I feel like everybody wants to dissect, and obviously it's a huge part of this, especially you're going to play on the outside in the NFL, being able to defeat press coverage. And so for our listeners, if you could just kind of describe what does that look like for a receiver? How does one do that effectively? And what are some of the traits that maybe if we don't see a guy go up against a lot of press coverage in college, that we could say, okay, well, maybe we, we can project that he can do that in the NFL. Well, yeah, I think when you're talking about releases, you're talking about, uh, one, you, uh, a guy's got to be patient, right? I, I, and I know that sounds crazy when you hurry up and get off the line of scrimmage, but there's got to be an urgency but a patience at the same time. A wide receiver's got to be able to understand angles. And the last thing is not waste movement. There's so many young players that just waste movement because they get so fast, quick, and hurried in their mind. We do everything we can to teach players words like urgent instead of fast. Because when you hear fast, it paints a different picture than just urgent. We want to be efficient at the, at the release point. Because you're not only releasing the defender at the line of scrimmage, 
When you get in your route and that five-yard bubble's gone in the National Football League and now you can't touch that player and there's not a lot of contact, you still got a release at your break point. There's still another release that creates that separation of the ability to get in and out of a break point more urgently than a defender can change direction. And it all starts at the release. But there's different types of releases, right? There's different types of coverage. There's press coverage. There's there's bail coverage. There's bond coverage. There's hard coverage. There's outside uh, coverage. There's inside coverage. There's catch technique. There's bail technique. There's off technique. There's squat technique. There's all these different techniques. And you've got to be, you have to have the ability to read the defender's body language. Where is he on his heels? Where is he on his toes? What's his position? Where is he? Where is our coverage triangle? Is he outside or is he inside? And that will be able to, with training, be able to give you the plan before the ball's even snapped. And this isn't about somebody just being unorganized and just get off the line. It's way more complex than that. The people that do that, they waste so much movement. They don't understand spatial awareness. Uh, they don't understand center of gravity. They don't understand efficient movements. So there's all these things that are, are, are technical. And when you look at guys I've coached, whether it's been, you know, uh, Corey Davis or whether it's been Rashad Bateman or whether it's been Tyler Johnson or Mohamed Sanu or Vincent Jackson, uh, th- these are all guys who have completely different games, but you can be able to have and teach the way to release off the line of scrimmage very similar. And and then give them the freedom within certain guidelines to be able to be efficient. I wanted to ask you specifically because uh, you mentioned that word a, a few times. There, urgency. That was something I I really loved about Corey Davis when he came out. Uh, certainly something I love with with Rashad Bateman as well. When you just look at just those two guys, what are some of the traits that those two guys share in terms of their ability uh, to make that leap into the NFL? Well, first of all, it's the ability to overcome failing. You know, the NFL is always going to say what you're not, right? I mean, they're always going to find what you're not. I mean, Philadelphia fans are incredibly passionate people, right? Uh, And, I mean, won a Super Bowl a few years ago, right? And now, you know, you guys are in the position you're in with new coaching staff already. And, and, And that's part of what have you done for me lately. What I love about these two guys is the ability to overcome the adversity and move on from the failing. If, if something doesn't go right, it doesn't stick with them very long. You have to have a very short memory at wide receiver. Like a corner's got to have a very short memory if you get beat deep. You've got to have the ability to move on and be able to make the play the next time. And both of those guys have that unique ability to do that where their body language is always positive. They're wonderful teammates. They make the locker room better. When the best players are the hardest workers, you have something really special. And both those guys are the hardest workers on our team when we were coaching them. And that's really a special trait to have. And coach, one last question I've got for you. You've been so generous with your time is uh, a discussion I've had with people over the course of the last year has been kind of juxtaposing the, the two separate ideas of route running skill versus yards after catch value and looking at the receivers. Do you feel when you have that kind of debate of what's more important, you know, what are you looking for? Does that come down to a scheme and situation dependent? If you're, if you're a team that, uh, you know, if you specialize and be able to get guys open, maybe you're going to look for guys that can do more after the catch and not rely on uh, a guy that can be able to win on his own as a route runner. Uh, is it that kind of situation or do you feel like it's more uh, universal? Well, I think it comes down to what every NFL team and the 32 teams that are in the NFL evaluate and, 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 and value. Yeah. Right. Everybody has different values and everybody values something different than someone else. Uh, that's why every draft surprises some people. Uh, you know, all the mock drafts can be thrown out the window once they start after the top 10 picks. 
because it, it, everybody values something differently. Like we, we coach in breakpoints. We don't coach in routes. We don't teach players routes. We teach them six breakpoints, and every one of those routes fall into that breakpoint. So we're going to establish and create elite route runners because no matter what route in the NFL you have, which we run them all, right? Uh, you have it fits into one of those six breakpoints. Mm-hmm. So if I value somebody and they have the speed and they have the agility and they have the short area bursts and the separational skills, but they're not great route route runners, I can teach that fundamental of those six breakpoints. But you can't teach the ability to run with the ball instinctually. Yeah, that is something that is very natural. Uh, there's guys that can be great route runners, but when they get the ball in their hand, they're not as good. And you got guys that can find a way to create separation that aren't great route runners, but when they get the ball in their hand, they're electric. Yeah. And the NFL is not necessarily a, a big developmental league. NFL stands for not for long, right? So if you're not willing to develop at a very fast pace yep. and you don't get drafted high, you might not have time to develop. The coaches in the NFL are the best coaches, right? So, But there's also every year it turns over so fast that it's hard to be able to take a guy over a six-year period. Okay, this guy's going to take five years to develop. That, that, that's like that's like ancient times. I mean, that's like dog years. So you have to realize what can you, what kind of player are you getting? What are the deficiencies? How fast can you fix those deficiencies? What do we value? What are our needs? And how do we go about drafting that? So I think that's the critical part, especially when you're talking about somebody that's electric with the ball in their hand. You can't teach that. So when you have that, it's up to that coaching staff to, one, develop the route running or then develop the scheme around it so it uses that player's strength until they develop in those other areas. Yeah, it's one of the the most fun parts uh, of trying to project these guys to the NFL is exactly uh, what you just touched on. Coach, thanks so much. You've been so generous with your time. Thanks for joining us. Stay, Stay safe, stay healthy. Have a great spring. Yeah, good luck to you guys in the draft. And row the boat, Sky Mile, go Gophers. Thanks a lot. Well, great stuff there from Coach, who you can follow on Twitter, just like I do, at Coach underscore Fleck. And while you're at it, I'm at Eagles XOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everyone that promotes this podcast on social media, but the best way to support this show, I've said it a couple times already, jump on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you listen, leave us a rating, leave us a comment, leave us a review, leave us a question. I want to give a shout out today who's someone who did exactly that. Nick5730 left a five-star review saying, I can attest, even as a Ravens fan, that this podcast by the Eagles is a must-listen for every fan base. Very thorough analysis and great guests. Fran, if Rondell Moore and or Rashad Bateman are available for the Ravens at the end of round one, do you think there could be a Ravens pick based on their history and unique offense? If not those two, could you see someone like LSU use Terrace Marshall or another receiver being the selection in round one or round two. So Nick, that's a great question. It's it's perfectly timed. Not only are you asking about Rashad Bateman after we just talked to his head coach, PJ Fleck, but it also goes to that last question I had asked Coach Fleck there in that interview where we were talking about the juxtaposition of yards after catch versus route running. And I think when you look at these two prospects, when you look at Rondell Moore and Rashad Bateman, both guys can do a little bit of both, right? Rashad Bateman, he's a crafty route runner, one of the best route runners in this draft. He could do a little bit after the catch as well. He's no slouch with the ball in his hands. But then you look at Rondell Moore, his game is all after the catch. That, that is his game. They did all kinds of ways to manufacture touches for him, get the ball in his hands fast, and let him do work. He can run routes. He's not a, he's not a bad route runner either, but those are the strengths of those two guys' game. Now, when you look at the Baltimore Ravens and how they like to play offense, and and that's why I feel like this is a a really fun conversation and it really kind of blends to what we were talking about with Coach. 
depending on how you play offense, you're going to look at these two guys a little bit differently. And also, it depends on what you've got on your roster right now. So when I look at this Baltimore Ravens depth chart, right, I'm going to look at uh, Marquise Brown. Obviously, you've got your speed threat on the outside. They took him in the first round a couple of years ago. They signed Sammy Watkins to a contract here this offseason. He can do some work inside and outside, but he's kind of similar to Rondell Moore in terms of getting the ball in his fans fast. They drafted Miles Boykin a couple of years ago out of Notre Dame in the third round. I really liked him, a height, weight, speed guy, an outside-the-numbers possession threat. They drafted Devin Duvernay a year ago. He was more in that Rondell Moore mold as well, right, where you want to get him the ball in his hands fast. He's really tough and physical and yards after catch. James Prochet, a small shifty slot guy. They've got some other players as well on the bottom of that depth chart. What you're really looking for, who is the the alpha? Who is that X receiver who can line up isolated that can win one-on-one and find ways to be able to separate and then create the big play and really win at all three levels of the field? And that's why when I look at it, Yeah, Rondell Moore fits in terms of, yeah, they've drafted Marquise Brown. They're not afraid of smaller receivers. Rondell Moore came in at 5'7 flat. Uh, Devin Duvernay, he's, you know, obviously he's on the shorter side. James Prochet on the smaller side. Duvernay's a yards after catch guy as well. But they've got those players, right? I feel like you look at at a uh, Rashad Bateman, he complements what they already have. Now, I think when you look at uh, all of these guys and then you start looking at the at the offense, uh, you know, it makes sense to say, hey, you know what? We want, we're going to find space. The 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 way that we run the football, we're going to pull extra defenders into the box. Receivers are going to have one-on-one opportunities. That's what was talked about when the Ravens drafted Marquise Brown in the first round. Oh, if we're going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, well, now we've got these one-on-ones on the outside. Good luck trying to defend Marquise Brown vertically down the field. And so there, there, it does make some sense to say, hey, I want to, I want to take Rondell Moore here. Now we've got a lot of speed on the field. You have to try and find ways to be able to match up. And I think that there's something to that. So honestly, I could see them going either direction uh, if they were you know, forced to make that decision between Bateman or Moore. I think when you look back at Baltimore's draft history, just recently under Eric DaCosta as the general manager, and this is, I'm, I'm so into the team building process and trying to figure out uh, how these, these team builders think. Um, They've definitely trended more towards bigger schools, so both guys kind of check the box. Uh, the lack of experience doesn't necessarily scare them. Uh, they've they've trended a little bit younger lately. 13 of their 18 picks have been 22 years old or younger uh, under Eric DaCosta. So you say, all right, well, uh, both of these guys, again, underclassmen, uh, limited sample sizes because of the, the weird year this year. They're not going to be worried about those guys. And, and you know, I would say overall, they trend bigger when you look at that team. That's a that's a that's a big team. They came to, to the Novacare Complex for training camp uh, for those joint practices a couple of years ago. That's a big roster up and down. But at receiver, as we've talked about, they're not afraid to, to you know chuck size to the side and you know go, go for more speed. So I think Rondell Moore, they're not going to be afraid uh, of a guy like that. It's going to be. I would be interested to see uh, which direction they would ultimately go. Uh, you know, if given the choice between those two receivers, I think both of them fit. There are a couple other receivers. You mentioned Terrace Marshall. I think he kind of fits what Baltimore is looking for. But look, this is this isn't necessarily about only the Ravens. I think this is just an idea of what teams are going to be looking at when they're looking at this position. Not every receiver uh, is created equal. It's not apples to apples across the board. There are different positions, different skill sets. It all depends on, number one, what you're looking for as a franchise, but who else is already on the team, 
What does your pass game look like? What does your run game look like? All of that comes into play when you're drafting wide receivers. And, I, and that's why it's, it's so fun to try and chart uh, and just kind of look at that and say, all right, well, what, what was the thought process there uh, going into that? So I think to me, uh, it's a great question. And again, a very timely question there uh, by Nick. Thanks so much to him. And thanks so much to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here at Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Duffy House, I'm Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you later this week. Hi, I'm Fran Duffy, host of the Journey to the Draft podcast, where every week we're going through scouting reports, big boards, mock drafts, and figuring out how prospects transition to the NFL. Listen to the Journey to the Draft podcast wherever podcasts can be found.